Every single experience from pregnancy to post-birth is totally unique. We're always told never to compare ourselves with other people, and when it comes to anything related to pregnancy, birth, and postpartum, you would do very well to listen to that advice closely. Every single woman is unique, and that means her experience will be equally as individual. Of course, every single mother-to-be would feel far more relieved if they had a guide that could predict every single minute of her pregnancy to the letter, but that's probably never going to be written. What you need to realize is that female body is still somewhat of an enigma, and while we know the general lowdown on what happens during pregnancy and birth, every single woman is a complex and unpredictable being. You're creating life here, after all. There are a range of different pregnancy symptoms, some you'll know about and some you won't be familiar with. Some women go through their entire nine months of pregnancy and have no symptoms whatsoever, lucky, right? While others have ever bizarre symptom in the book and beyond. Some women don't even realize they're pregnant until the baby is about to be born. The art of growing a child is a complex one. You'll no doubt be thinking about your birth plan quite early on, but this is still only a guideline. So many different things can happen during a labor that a birth plan can go from important to totally out of the window in seconds. Pregnancies can run into intense complications, some, which can be fixed, and some that unfortunately can't. Your baby may not come on their due date, they may be late, they may be early, and sometimes labor happens so fast that the taxi driver taking the mother to the hospital gets a shock. Equally, once your baby is here, there's no predicting whether he or she will take to breastfeeding or prefer bottle, and we can't predict how soon you'll be able to go home. What we're trying to point out is that while pregnancy and childbirth are unpredictable, you should embrace the uncertainties as part of the journey, simply knowing that you can plan, but at the end of the day, the safe arrival of your bundle of joy is the most important point. There are few hard lines in pregnancy, other than don't smoke, don't take drugs, and don't drink alcohol. Many women worry about the fact they might have drunk alcohol or smoked before they realized they were pregnant, and they are concerned about the health of their unborn child. The most important thing to realize here is that this isn't likely to impact the health of your child, provided you stop the moment you realize you're expecting. We all know the three don'ts of pregnancy, don't smoke, take drugs, or drink alcohol, and we know them so well that the mere sight of a pregnant woman smoking or doing any of the above is simply shocking. Some bypassers might even be tempted to have a stern word. There are some other things you should avoid however, some which aren't quite so strongly ingrained in pregnancy folklore, for instance, you should not be emptying your cat's litter box yourself. Why? Because it may contain a parasite which could be fatally damaging to your unborn child. Despite this, many women continue to do so, either because they're simply not aware, or because nothing bad has happened to date. Many women continue to take herbal supplements which don't have a pregnancy approval, simply because they have been fined so far. Does this make it right? It's about risk management. A pregnant woman would certainly be erring firmly on the side of caution if she avoided such things. A good way to look at this is with the idea of wearing a seatbelt. Of course, everyone should wear a seatbelt when traveling in a car, pregnant or not. However, if you don't wear your seatbelt one time, not advised, by the way, it doesn't mean that you're going to have a car accident. We're talking about taking precautions. The same can be said for having one drink very early in a pregnancy. You had it and nothing happened, but it's not an excuse to carry on doing it. Pregnancy symptoms are wide-ranging. Just because you've probably read a list of expected pregnancy symptoms, doesn't mean that you're going to have them, or that you're going to have any at all. 
Most symptoms aren't anything to be concerned about, but it never hurts to mention them to your midwife or doctor, for some peace of mind. If the symptom turns out to be something of concern, it can be investigated. It is best to be aware of any symptoms you have, whether it's your first pregnancy or your seventh. By keeping a note of these and reporting anything you're concerned about, you can sidestep any potential problems. The difficulty is in knowing whether to be concerned or not. It's easy to become concerned about everything, especially if you're into your first pregnancy. There are certain small symptoms which may add up to a larger problem when not investigated properly, or may be masking something of concern. The bottom line is that even if you're sure it's nothing to worry about, mentioning it to your doctor or your midwife will give peace of mind and ensuring nothing adverse happens. Vomiting. Urinating on a regular basis, more than normal. Loose ligaments. Feeling short of breath. Craving strange foods. These are all regular pregnancy cravings, right? True, but if a person wasn't pregnant and presented to their doctor with these symptoms, they'd immediately be investigated for all manner of serious issues. Despite these being common pregnancy symptoms, you should mention them if they are particularly serious or severe. The first trimester starts quietly and ends with a bang. The very early stages of pregnancy, e.g. the first trimester, start extremely quietly. At this point, you probably won't notice anything, but by the end of that first trimester you'll probably be experiencing a spectrum of symptoms, such as vomiting, nausea, and needing to pee on a very regular basis. You can expect a quieter time during the second trimester, a time when most women say they feel great in themselves and experience that pregnancy glow, but by the time the third trimester arrives, a few of those first phase symptoms might return. With this in mind however, every single pregnancy ever experienced on this planet throughout time was and is different. Every trimester can be different too, and all have certain challenges within them. We can't say that you'll feel very nauseous during your first trimester, and then it will disappear during your second. We can give you general averages, but you might be the other way around. The problems arrive when women start to compare stories, and they realize that what they're experiencing is nothing like what their friend is experiencing. This doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you, it means you're individual, just like she is. We also see so many pregnancies on TV and films, that it can easily create a very unrealistic picture of pregnancy and childbirth. From TV, you might think that morning sickness only happens when you wake up, but you might be surprised to realize that it's more of a case of all-day sickness for most women. If TV was realistic in showing how wide-ranging pregnancy symptoms can be, we might be more interested in watching. It's also important to realize that just because one symptom stops, it doesn't mean anything adverse is happening to your unborn child. It could simply be that a part of the pregnancy is over and you're now moving into the next one. However, that doesn't mean the symptom won't come back again before your baby arrives. Most not safe safe studies are lacking in evidence at best. If you sit there reading the countless pregnancy studies online, you'll confuse yourself into oblivion. The best option is to simply avoid anything which may cause undue effect on your baby, e.g. herbal supplement products, or radio frequency signals. If you sit there reading the do this and don't do this stories, you'll be confused for a long time to come. There have been many cases where something we all thought was safe turned out not to be, and equally as many when something we thought was dangerous was actually fine. The point is that pregnancies are so complex, it's impossible to have a definite list of what to do and what no to do. It's far better to think about the definite things to avoid and then pay little heed to the other noise. For instance, placing a cell phone against your belly is not the best practice. 
It isn't proven yet, but there is a suggestion that radio frequency signals might affect an unborn child. Of course, we don't worry about putting a phone to our ear. Something else you should probably steer clear of is any herbal supplement, alternative medicine or medication which isn't deemed safe for pregnancy. This also includes beauty treatments. There are many herbs which have been passed down through the ages, but they might not be suitable for every pregnant woman or unborn child. In that case, it's far better to avoid it and be safe. You should practice a healthy pregnancy diet, with inevitable weight gain and prenatal supplementation. You've probably heard the old eating for two adage, but are you really? In some ways yes, in some ways, no. What you need isn't the same as what your baby needs, and vice versa. You might think it's okay to simply eat twice what you are now, but that's just going to lead to weight gain and nothing else, most of which won't be baby weight. All you really need to do is increase your calorie amount per day by 25%. It's more about what you eat, than how much. For instance, you need to make sure you're getting enough vitamins and minerals, and that means looking toward fruits and vegetables. You also need to add more fiber to your diet. But, as we have mentioned, every single woman's body is different and that means your individual nutritional needs will be slightly different, too. For instance, if you're suffering from vomiting during the first part of your pregnancy, you need to eat more fiber on a daily basis, to repair the damage the vomiting might have done to your stomach. In many ways, it will be about problem-solving and a little trial and error. Your workplace should do a risk assessment. It's perfectly fine to work while you're pregnant, but you need to be sure that the tasks you're doing, a, aren't impacting on your pregnancy, and b, that your pregnancy isn't detrimentally impacting on the tasks you're doing. There is no reason why you cannot go to work and kick ass, just as you would if you weren't pregnant. There are more and more pregnant women who are in high-flying positions, and they're given very little credit for continuing to do outstanding jobs, all while managing the symptoms and conflicting emotions that pregnancy brings. Despite this, times are changing, and acceptance of pregnancy in the workplace is higher than it has ever been. In terms of parental leave, the U.S. has one of the lowest. Basically, if you want to keep your job, maintain your insurance, and have the time to spend with your new baby, you're going to need to wait until quite late into your pregnancy before you take the time off. With a few changes here and there to the working environment, most pregnant women are able to continue working until the later end of the third trimester. A few of these changes are for the health of the baby, e.g. not being exposed to certain substances, and also for the health of the mother too, e.g. avoiding heavy lifting. Provided you have a good working relationship with your manager, these changes shouldn't be an issue. Your partner feels the stress too. In very different ways, your partner also feels the stress and strain of pregnancy too. Some partners have a very strong reaction to being with their pregnant partner, while some are not quite so tuned in. You've no doubt heard of the sympathetic pregnancy, in that a man experiences some of the same symptoms as his partner, and it's actually real. In this case, your partner is likely to feel far more sympathetic towards your experience than they would otherwise. This helps to breed compassion, but it's also worth noting that perhaps your partner needs a little compassion too. By having this give and take process, even though you're the one heavy with child, you'll be able to build up a stronger bond overall. For instance, in a same-sex marriage it is often the case that the non-pregnant partner feels a wider range of virtual pregnancy symptoms, simply by being around the whole pregnant lifestyle. The way the pregnancy impacts on the partner isn't biological, but it is something different, the reason is because they have to be the one to provide the support throughout the entire process. They are the one consoling, facing emotions, and dealing with stress.
They might also feel pressure to provide financially. In this case, having an outlet for this energy is important, to ensure that the pregnancy progress well. Pregnancy complications and losses are heartbreaking, but they aren't a life sentence for similar ending pregnancies in the future. A couple who have lost a pregnancy will go through a huge range of terrible emotions, and one may be blaming themselves. There is obviously nothing they could have done, but blame is the single way which most people attempt to try and compartmentalize and deal with the events that have occurred. If a baby dies after they are born, it's also possible that the parents will blame an external source or circumstance. This is an entirely natural and human response to a terrible event. Many couples decide not to try for another child after they have experienced miscarriage or complications during birth that caused extreme trauma, but this event needn't be a bar towards a successful pregnancy and birth in the future. Provided the woman discloses all information to doctors and midwives who look after her in a future pregnancy, all statistics point towards a real possibility of a future successful pregnancy. If you hold back information, perhaps because you're scared of judgment, you could be placing the pregnancy in jeopardy. Be open and honest, there is nothing to feel judged or guilty about. Of course, in the event of a baby's death, it can be difficult for some parents to open up and talk about it, and in that case, those around the couple should understand and support this. Conclusion Every single pregnancy is unique. Every single labor is unique. Every single delivery is unique. This is the single takeaway point you should have from this book, if nothing else. Pregnancies are complex and they are different every single time. A woman who has had four pregnancies successfully in the past could then encounter a very complicated pregnancy, and a woman who has already had two complicated pregnancies could have the easiest pregnancy on record. Women's bodies are almost a mystery, but in order to ensure that your pregnancy is successful and safe, it's about being aware of what is going on, and noting down any symptoms that you simply feel aren't quite right. In most cases, your instinct is the thing you should trust.